You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 93 of the MXU podcast. My name is Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here as always with my co-host, co-founder, and co-everything else, Lee Fields. How you doing, Lee? Fantastic. We're getting close to Christmas, and it's um, feeling a little like Christmas where you are, from what I've heard. It was a little bit freezing of snow up last in the mountains. Night. Freezing cold yeah. last night. Well, but, it has not been freezing cold where I live. It's been like 70. So I'm ready for it to feel and look a little bit more like Christmas. Um, so last night, uh, our guest sitting across the table from me live here in the room, Mr. Brian Carpenter. How you doing? Great, everybody. Love being here. It's a lot warmer uh, in Sacramento than Montana. It's dumping snow today. Yeah. Well, last night, Brian and I were sitting around a fire. That was one of the hottest fires I've been in front of my entire life. So it was 35 <laughs> degrees outside, and we were totally fine. Melting. Just melting. That's awesome. Was that at your house? No, it was at our friend Paul's house uh, near my house. But no, not at my house. This nice. guy's got like a house too big and a giant, a real fire pit like away from the house. So you feel like you're in the woods a little. It's not Montana, but... Okay, we've said Montana twice now. we got to give Brian a proper introduction. Exactly. So we're thrilled to be joined today by Brian Carpenter, who is the founder, director, leader, whatever, of the Refuge Foundation, which if you've heard us talk before about our trips to Montana and fly fishing and how we've used that through MXU and for us personally as a way to get rest and rejuvenation and literal refuge from some of the sort of toil and stress of ministry. Brian is the man responsible for all of that. And so we're thrilled that he's here today. Brian, it's so good to see your face. And I can't wait to get back to be able to sit in front of a fire with you, my friend. Bro, is there anything better than me, you, on a river, in a drift boat together? Like I can, I can see it right now, you casting in front of me, that sweet little cast, <laughs> just knocking the fish out all day enjoying ourselves having fires eating good food with great brothers i mean i'm i'm just salivating right now as i think about it during that thought process how many cigars are you smoking in that vision well i didn't know what kind of podcast this oh, was so. well there's <laughs> there's cigars and there's adult beverages to be had for sure okay well uh i, I don't know if my wife's gonna listen to this podcast either so <laughs> she's not really in a tech so maybe she'd be fine yeah but uh, but it's it's a it's a significant amount of cigars, uh, as anybody yeah. that knows me uh, can attest to. So yeah, I mean you got to have some fine cigars. As a matter of fact, I was at a breakfast this morning uh, meeting this morning before I came here, and the dude shows up to the breakfast meeting with a box full of like really. He's like my friend who has like the really fine Cuban stuff. Yeah, and uh, he shows up and just like hands me a plastic Ziploc bag full of like you know an incredible amount of Cuban cigars. I was like, oh my goodness, Merry Christmas. That's awesome. So the good we'll, stuff. We'll, later on, we'll, we'll awesome. have to okay. work. Okay, so Brian, why don't you, I want to talk about why Refuge is so important, but why don't you talk to us about how it got started? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was uh, early early on, you know, started out at age 18 at YWAM, came back to our church, very large church uh, with, you know, as we were talking about before the podcast, an extreme, even to this day, an extremely large budget for a weekend stuff uh you know church was running four or five thousand people in billings montana and i was there uh eventually getting into doing high school and college stuff and uh you know saw this man that i loved who was leading the church uh, like so many of us 
that are supporting a senior leader, um, you know, we love that person and we, we love the anointing they have on their lives and we love the calling that they have on their lives. That's why we're a part of it. Cause we believe in, you know, oftentimes we believe more in a person where God calls us to, to, to serve or to follow a person more than a, 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 a place. You know, sometimes I know for me, like he didn't call me to that church specifically. He called me that person. And so watching his life and him having a major meltdown at age 62, major, what I would look back on now, based on what I know, I would call an adrenal meltdown. It was more of a physiological meltdown, which is also because we're body, mind, and spirit probably also was going on with some mental and emotional and spiritual things as well. Um, but here I am, 23, 24 years old, looking at this guy, wanting to be like him, wanting to maybe, you know, someday maybe we'll take over the church. You know, we've had these kind of conversations and, you know, and then going, uh-oh, like, what, what is this guy getting himself into? Now, what am I getting myself into as a young leader and thinking to myself, there's two things I noticed about his life because I'm a watcher of people. He didn't have any friends and he didn't have any hobbies. And I was like, oh, well, that'll be easy. Like, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, running at the pace that I'm running with him and everybody else on staff. We had like 60 full-time staff. And, um, but I'm going to figure out how to have some friends and some hobbies because at the time I didn't. Not like real friends, like friends that really know you, like friends that are going to like what I call fly. Like, you know, you call me tomorrow, Lee, and I'm back in Montana. You're like, dude, I'm falling apart. Like, I need you here. Guess what I do? You get on a plane. I get on a plane. That's a friend, right? Yeah. Not an acquaintance, not a coworker, you know, someone that really knows you, uh, someone that, you know, they know enough about me that they could hurt me with that information. That's a friend. A friend is like, you know, the stuff mm-hmm. about me that you could use it against me and you could hurt me with that. That's a real friend. And the second part was he had no hobbies. Like he owned great shotguns. He never shot them. He owned great golf clubs. He never used them. He owned great fly rods. He ended up giving me some of them when I was like around that age, but he never fly fished. So he had all these things, these tools that I think made him feel like he had recreation and rest in his life, but he didn't ever really use any of it. So he just had it like, it felt good to have it, but he never really utilized it. So I decided, you know, here's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to do the opposite of what he's doing. So I started inviting some a few friends that I meet at, you know, I'd meet all these guys at conferences. I'd go to Willow and I'd meet a bunch of cool people. I'd go to, you know, drive conference or, you know, so I'm a Perry Noble or Elevate, you know, you go to these conferences and you, and for a moment you meet these really cool guys and yep. you're like, I love these guys. Like, and we all were kind of there because we really want to have like a beer and a burger at Applebee's after the conference, but we paid the 1200 bucks for the trip to, right. to sit through the sessions, but it wasn't what we really wanted. So I thought to myself like, man, what if we could create the kind of space that we really want to go to, like to do the things that we really wanted to do. We all tolerate the rest of the stuff of the learning and kind of stuff, which is good. I'm, I'm pro conference. I love all the people that run the conferences. We serve a lot of them, but I thought I want to just create a space that I want to go to. And so in, you know, 2004, just invited four friends from all over the country that I met these conferences and we fished and, and I'm telling, when I say like it changed our lives, like what we do now is the out, you know, growth, the, the, the fruit of what we did the first year, Yeah, which was like literally like fish together. We had no Bible studies. We had no prayer times. We talked, we cried. We talked about our marriage. We talked about our life. We talked about our futures. We talked about our dreams. We talked about our failures and we just had a freaking blast. We yeah. laughed. You know, I love the scripture says, you know, uh, for the joy of the Lord is our strength, which says what? If I lose mm. joy, I lose what? Strength. Strength. When I become joyless, I become weak as a leader. And we have a lot of weak leaders walking around in our midst because there's no joy in their lives. Right. And all of a sudden, this time together as friends and brothers, like in, the, in creation, in boats and tromps around through water and seeing eagles and catching fish and losing fish. And oh, man, you like you yeah. lost another one. And just kind of horsing around like we were like 14 again, brought back some youthful spirit and joy to our lives 
that to this day, I was just having dinner with a few staff members the other night and they said, what was it like in the early days compared to now? And I said, it's the same. Yeah. Like we haven't changed a thing. Like what we did back then is what we do now. We just have a bigger team and more locations and we'll help more people. But yeah. we've never lost the culture, which is, you know, a family of people that just have fun with our friends and serve people and, and get low. So that was kind of the, the impetus was, you know, the story is much longer as far as like how I worked out of the church. I mean, I still stayed in the church from that point till, you know, 2010 almost. Um, and was just doing this on, on, on my off, you know, weeks yeah. and vacations. My wife and I were using our own money to fund it. And then my small group and my church started funding it with me. And then 2007, we became a nonprofit because we're like, hey, if we're giving our own money to this, we should maybe like get a donation, you know, yeah. a credit tax, tax receipt, you know, but we never had a vision <laughs> for what it is today. And um, so anyway, it was, it started out of a heart for pastors because I saw my senior pastor melt down. I thought, you know, the last thing I'll say about it is he was on the floor of his, um, his basement office weeping. This was the, the start of all his thing. And the executive pastor went up to the house and ran down the stairs and he was still on the floor curled up weeping. And he said, um, what's wrong? What's wrong to the senior pastor? And the senior pastor says to him, he says, somebody help me. Somebody please help me. That's all he could say. And I thought to myself, I never want another friend on a floor or a person I love and respect on a floor, as it were, whatever that floor is in your life, weeping, saying, somebody help me, somebody please help me. Like, we should never be at that point. Like, we should go after people. We should go after leaders. We should pursue people with care, with rest, with love, with relationship, with authenticity in a way that they never have to find themselves on the floor of their lives, you know? And so for me, I was like, that's it. Like, done. Game over. This is what I'm going to give my life to. I'm going to get my life. I'm going to give my life to keeping people who have a potent kingdom anointing on their lives in the game for the rest of their lives. Like, if I could do that, to me, that would be a life well lived. And for my family as well, we, we all believe in that. So that's awesome. So obviously, you know, you started with a few friends, it's grown into dozens and dozens of groups a year that come to your facilities. Um, and it's not just senior pastors. It's basically anyone who's involved in ministry leadership that gets basically, now it's like a friend has gone and they say, hey, I can't imagine my next trip without these guys or this guy, or I know somebody who really needs this. So there's this, that's how it worked for me. Lee had gone on a trip and he called me right away afterwards and said, you've got to come and do this next time. It was like, no brainer. Every time, every year we're doing this because of what it means. Because yes, the fishing and the camaraderie and the food and all that is very, you know, it's, it's fun. And it's, even if you've never fished before, it's the best experience of your life, but it's also super intentional, right? The, there are intentional conversations and time around a fire, time around a table where we are able to just kind of let our guard down and be authentic and vulnerable in a way that you don't ever get to, at least I don't ever get to do with other men. And it's such a powerful experience. So I just, I'm, I'm such a fan. I'm like, I I don't, I don't ever want a year to go by. And honestly, last year went by without me being there and I hate it. So I don't want to let another year go by without participating because it is so powerful. Yeah. I think, you know, to be able to, to, to de-robe and to, to be who you are and not what you do. And it's one of the reasons we've had such a passion for people, you know, kind of uh, behind the board as it were, you know, as I've gotten to meet you guys and so many other friends kind of in, 
the tech space and in, in, you know, in the sound and lighting and all that kind of stuff. A lot of guys that you brought and people I've just learned, just the pressures of that world as well, that no one knows that there's a guy behind the guy on the stage yeah. that is really taking care of that person. I mean, essentially, you're a foot washer to him to make him look good, even though you're never going to look good. No one's really going to know you. No one in the, in the, in the audience is ever going to be like, oh, there's probably an awesome like, guy behind this sound and lighting and all the things that made this experience so great. And so, you know, for all of us to go like, hey, where's the place that you go that you get to just be human for a moment? Not something, not a pastor, not a producer, not a, you know, tech person, not a, you know, there is in that moment, you're, you're, you're literally nobody. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we, we tell our staff all the time, you know, you have to, you have to become nobody to become somebody. Like the people of the world that become, mm-hmm. the people of this world who become somebody's in the kingdom the, the people who become somebody are the people who become nobodies. And, um, and so, you know, you get to have that time and that space with friends and with people. And that's what I love about what you were saying, Jeff, is like for us, like the only way you come on a trip is to be invited by somebody that, that's been there. You cannot come. You can't just yeah. go on our website and like click, you know, like, I want to come on a trip because we don't know you and the other people on the trip don't know yeah. you. And if we're going to get to a place of ultimate trust where we can really, you know, bear our hearts to one another and talk about what's really going on, you know, we don't, we, you know, the Bible says, James 5 says, confess your sins one to another that you might be what? Healed, right? Confession of yep. sins and healing go hand in hand. I wish it read this way. Confess your sins to God that you might be healed. Well, that's easy. I do that every night. My Lord, <laughs> forgive me. But confession of sins to God is a salvation issue and confession of sins to one another is a healing issue. So what I talk about is like, there's a lot of people I know who are going to heaven, they're saved, but they're not very healed this side of heaven. They're very unhealed. You know why? Because no one knows them. And the reason no one knows them is because they don't have time because being known takes time. And leaders are busy. And the one thing they don't have is time. And so all of a sudden, now you have all these people who are spiritual leaders advancing the gospel, advancing the kingdom. No one really knows them. And so they feel lonely and isolated. And they themselves are not experiencing the fullness of the kingdom and healing because they're isolated. It's the antithesis of of what God really wants for us. And the problem is you can't be known by somebody unless you're willing to spend time with somebody. Like, I can't know you. It takes just time. And we believe that Jesus worked in time and space. Time and space. We don't have time and space, man. We got Microsoft calendars and 15-minute check-ins and 15-minute appointments and this and that. We're going to run all over. Like, you can't experience real friendship when you're just running around having 15 or 20 minutes with everybody. And so for us, like you said, Jeff, you know, it's a week. I mean, I just had a conversation with a guy a celebrity like two days ago, he got my number. Somehow he called me and he's like, yeah, I got a, I got invited on a trip in March and I can't come in on Friday, but maybe Saturday. And, but the trip ends on Monday. And I was like, oh no, no, yeah, you, you can't, you can't come. And he was kind of what? This is a celebrity. Yeah. He was like, this LA guy, you would know him. Like, I mean, I, I grew up with this guy. Like he was like, you know, f- super famous. Yeah. I couldn't believe he was calling me. He was like, this is so-and-so the actor. And I was like, Oh, like you didn't have to tell me you were the actor. Like I, I know who you are. Yeah. You know? And um, <laughs> everybody and, but, knows but your name. He was like, he, I was like, oh well, yeah, you can't come unless you come for the whole time. And he was kind of like, oh, like you can't tell me I can't come. And I'm like, oh, I can. Like you can't come. Like if you don't come for the whole experience, it just doesn't work. And, the, you're and all right. that, it's gonna, it's gonna throw everybody yeah, else off right. in the group because they're, they're gonna start bonding and having conversations and talking, telling stories that you're gonna miss out on for two days, and then you're gonna come in and you're gonna disrupt it all. So no, you know. He said, yeah. well, he's like, well, maybe I'll move. Maybe I'll move it or something, you know, because yeah. that, that's, you know, that's how they are now. It's like when you tell them, no, they're like, oh, yeah, now I want to be a part of it. You right. Know? And so it is. It well, really let me is just say, if, if that celebrity is somehow a listener of our podcast, let me just tell you, rearrange your schedule. You got to be there because you're not going to want to miss it. Yeah. And by the way, if he is there, 
then tell him he should listen to the MXU podcast. And we'll, <laughs> I will. I will. He was actually telling forward. me that his son, uh, he's wanting his son to maybe get involved uh, with us this year. He's 18, but he also is thinking about his son's also thinking about going into production. So, you know, this would, be, this would be a great thing for him to listen to. Yeah, well, we have a subscription that can really help him. Uh-huh. I'm thinking that. so. Yeah. It's true. Let's go. <laughs> well, hey, I, I hope that people who listen to the last five minutes especially will rewind and re-listen because the point about that James 5 passage cannot be overstated. Confess your sins one to another. Man, that that hits me today. I'm like, I need that as much as anybody listening because it is one thing to talk to God about it, but when you talk to a trusted friend about it and establish that brotherhood, it's it's a different ballgame. Well, can I, can, I, can I reframe it real quick in just the way I would read it? you know, biblically the way to read it, I would re- I would reframe it this the way I read it. Be known one to another that you might be healed. Confession of sins is really about being known because I need to be known in the fullness of a leader. I want to be I need to be known when I have a big day. I need to be known when I've like crushed something, right? When I yeah. raised a you know a, you know like a couple weeks ago we had a, a big gift coming, a big matching gift. And I needed some people I could call and be like, dude. Yeah. We just got a really big gift, matching gift. It's going to be tough to match it, but like this is really cool. It wasn't something I could like put on Instagram or social media. Right. Or, like I needed a couple guys to be known to, even in the good stuff, not just the bad stuff, right? So I think it reads. Totally. I think James really the, the intent that James is trying to say is just be known, be fully known one to another, yeah. that you might be healed. Like when you're fully known, all of it, you know, that confession of sins is just an issue of. Because the reason I like to free, reframe it is because sometimes confession of sin sounds a little like, oh, look, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to tell people sins. I'm looking at porn. Well, you yeah, know, right, right. It's like it's like you know. But if you're just totally known, it's like part of you being known is like, man, and I'm struggling with some, right, you know, some sexual addiction stuff, or I'm struggling with some alcohol things, or I'm struggling with some fear things. Like, you know, I, I was telling my wife the other day, like I've I've struggled with some just some fear and anxiety things for years, and I was just telling her the other day, like we're now moving into a position in a place in our ministry where I don't need to be fearful, anxious about those things anymore. But they still linger because I've created those ditches in my brain, right? Yeah. And this is like two days ago. Mm. And I said, coming into the end of the year, I want to like get my brain right. And I want to get my spirit right. And I want to get those ditches filled back in with something new. And I told her, I said, I felt like the Lord was challenging me the other day. Like, when you wake up, do you start from a posture of fear or faith? That's what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. I'm like, oh, fear. Like, I start, like, the first place I start in the morning is that fear. And then I moved to faith, right? Like throughout yeah. the day, I'm like, it's going to be okay. God's going to show up. And then I start walking in faith. I'm like, yeah, we got this. Like, you know, but when I wake up, my first, my first feeling in my spirit and in my heart and my mind is fear. Like, uh, I start, I start from scarcity, you know? And I just felt like the Lord was like, what if you change that, man? Like, what if you started in the morning at faith and then fear wouldn't have a place to come in, you know? And so all that is a, so a byproduct of being known, though. It's be fully known one to another that you might be healed. And part of that is confession. It is confession of, you know, sin. It's confession of shortcomings, but it's also confession of like great things, yeah. celebrations, wins, because that's part of just being known. And being known, even in the wins, is also a part of healing. You know, that's awesome. That's so good. I, uh, not that we're trying to sell refuge by any means, but it's also not like let's all sit around a fire and tell her dirty laundry it's mm-hmm. it's actually not that at all and it, there's no program like it, it anytime i went to invite a group of people to come on a trip that i was hosting 
the hang-up is that everybody wants to know what the catch was mm-hmm. or like, well, what's the program or like, what's the book we're all going to sit around and read. And, you know, everybody's thinking it's like some weird Christian retreat with some fishing poles and yeah. this weird program, yeah. but it wasn't. And then you get to the last night and everybody still is like, okay, tonight's going to be the night. Where's the pitch? Who's asking for money? What is it? And there's nothing. And then you leave <laughs> and you're, you're at the airport at the curb. And I've had people that I brought turn to me and, and been like, this is it. Th- that was it. There wasn't. I'm like, no, man. That that was it. Yeah. Is that that happens every time. It's, ev- it's every time, man. I'm telling you, leaders are so squirrely, bro. It is crazy. They're like a scared deer, right? And so, you know, we tell people right from the first day, hey, we want something for you, not from you, <clears throat> because everybody wants something from a leader, whether that's you know, uh, you know, you're leading a, a, a creative department at the church and you have volunteers that work for you, or you're a pastor, or you know, even a kingdom business guy, like everybody wants something from you. And so if you can really just serve people without wanting something from them, and, and, and I love what you said, you know, like we don't have an agenda. Like we, we, we move into the, we don't can anything. Like right. I don't, I don't do like on Tuesday night, I talk about marriage mm-hmm. and on Wednesday night, I talk about brotherhood and friendship. You know, we just, we're just like together, man. We're just like doing life together. Like we might not even like talk at all that day. We might just be like, we're all tired. We're going to bed tonight. We're all going to go out and listen to tunes and sit by the fire. Like it's very relational and authentic. And I think it's almost impossible to find a truly authentic space anymore. And it's almost impossible to find a place where you get like a true gift. And so our, you know, we're bullish on gifts and authenticity, like true authenticity. I mean, our staff knows that we actually, and I think this is a great idea for anyone that's leading a team or staff is culturally, we sift everything through. uh, What would you do this with your best friend? So let's say I'm not there. The staff's there. It's raining and blowing wind 60 sideways. And they're like, well, the, 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 the playbook says that we go fishing at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or whenever, you know. Right. And everybody's like, well, we don't want to go fishing. Like, it's 60 mile an hour winds and raining and freezing. Like, this looks terrible. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't do that with your best friend. You'll wake up in the morning and be like, man, this sucks outside. You know what we should do today is like stay inside and play poker all day. Let's smash beers and watch college football. Yeah, exactly. Or let's go back to town and watch a matinee movie, which I've done many times with people. Like, let's go watch the Avengers movie together. Right. And we go back in and sit around for three hours and eat popcorn and go to a you know a, you know a pub afterwards or something. And then we go back, drive back out there, and maybe the next day it's nice again, right? So it's really fun to be able to create a space and a culture that says, hey, we 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 screen everything through. Like, what would you do today with your best friend if he was here? Because that leads everybody else in the space of like functioning and acting and thinking and, 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 and living that week like they're with their best friends because that's where we're trying to move people into. So yeah, I, I love, I love that Lee is that, you know, when we're there, it's not about us trying to fabricate something. It's something great is going to come out of this time together as we release it to the Lord. And not only that, as you guys know better than anybody, most of the people we work with live highly programmed, programmed lives, right? Right. So I believe the only way you break a spirit is to come at it in the opposite spirit. So if you have people who are overprogrammed and busy, how are you going to break that spirit? By putting them in a space of overprogrammed and busy? That's what every conference and retreat nope. does. That's yeah. why they, they're just terrible sometimes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just like, we live this life and then we come to you for a retreat. Yeah. It's supposed to be a retreat from what we do, right? That's what the word means, like to leave what you normally do, right? Yeah. I had a guy kept telling me the other day, like, you're, you're camp. He kept calling us a camp. Like, a, yeah. like, oh, please stop calling us a camp. Like, you're, you're traumatizing me, like a church camp or a yeah. church retreat. I'm like, we've all been to these things. That's, I'm, we're none of those things, you know? And uh, so how do you actually create space and break the spirit of busyness and over-programming and over-scheduled? 
it's very hard sometimes for God to work in those places. I get it. I think it's, you know, I understand it. I understand the, the usefulness of it. And, you know, people who live highly like organized lives, like I, I'm not, you know, uh, immune to it or, 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 you know, don't understand it. To me, it's like, if you live that life, then maybe that life getting out of it and really living some different life where it's like, Hey, today we might just run out on a ranch and shoot AR 15s all day at Prairie dogs and just run around and do dumb stuff. It's yeah. like, maybe that's what you need to get you right in the head. Right. Right. Yeah. So, that's okay. So good. So one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the podcast was we've been a bit inundated with responses from people in the technical community about, I don't want to use the word burnout because mm-hmm. I feel like everybody's burning out. Everybody's burned out and, and tech. No, 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 real quick. Everybody, I tell people all the time, I hate the word burnout because everyone, we are all burning out. We're like stars that are going through the, through the, through the universe, like burning out. Like that's just, if you're working hard and you have a mission to do something great with your life, you are always burning out. It's like a balloon that's always being blown into and filled. The question is, will you have a, a healthy release valve on that balloon? Because that balloon is going to release one way or the other. It's either going to release through good things that you do or bad things that you do. You know, it's you're going to medicate to to heal to to deal with your burning all the time. Yep. One way or the other, either in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. You can choose that. But the reason I don't like the word burnout is like everybody's burned out. Like we're all burning out. Like, don't tell me you're burned out, or you're not burned. Like you are. It's just a question of like at what level are you burned out right now? Are you at a 10 or are you at a five? That's so good. Is your balloon yeah. this big or is your balloon still little? Yep. But there's there's air going into your balloon every day. How do you get the air out of that balloon so it doesn't pop, right? You're going to have to have, you know, you blow into it. And then, you know, after 10 blows, you better like let some of it out somehow and release some of it. Otherwise, if it just keeps going in and doesn't come out, it pops. And so everybody lets that air out somehow. That could be through medicating in negative ways, sinful ways, unhealthy ways, which is why leaders eventually pop. And we're like, oh, what happened to him? Like, my goodness. I'm like, no, no, this guy's been like doing this for like, five years, 10 years. Like this wasn't, there's just stuff right. happening yesterday. He didn't find healthy ways to release. So anyway, I, I, I love where, where we're going with this, but everyone that's listening to this is burning out. Like they're not burned out. They are in the process of burning out. It's just, what level are you at? It's like someone who has cancer. It's like you have stage one, you're staff stage four. Yeah. Like everyone on here some, has some stage right now that they're in a stage of burnout. Every person. If yeah. you're a leader, you are in a stage of burnout. It's your job to discern, are you in stage one or stage four? Because stage four is death soon. Stage one is, you better watch out. It's coming. It's going to go to stage two, stage three, stage four, if you don't start getting some chemo, as it were, or some kind of healthy help in your life. That's so good. Well, you mentioned when you, when, when you told the first story about finding your pastor at that point, you mentioned the physiological aspect. And I know, I know you've learned a lot about that in the last few years. Talk for a minute about adrenal stress and just the, our endocrine system and how the physiological piece is so important and how we can maybe, like if there are some guys who are feeling literal physical stuff, mm-hmm. how, to, how to start to deal with that. Because that really, it yeah. is a, a huge way in where this manifests itself. Yeah. So the, the funny thing is I always see myself as the guinea pig of refuge. So like I never talk about something or do something or promote something that I haven't personally learned, like, been like, oh yeah, I figured that out for myself. Like I went, I went through it myself and here's how I dealt with it. And so for years, I, I was just feeling like garbage all the time. I mean, sleeping at two o'clock every day, 
brain fog all the time, you know, but no one could tell. Like I was still running like super hard. I, everybody would think I was like running at a 10. The way I talk about it is like if you're on like a Peloton bike or a spin bike and the, and the instructor's like, oh, I'll put it at like a one and you're going really, really fast and everybody like looking at everybody else in the room like, oh, everybody's at a one. But if you actually were on my bike and felt how it feel like to, to look like I was at a one, I was actually at an eight or a nine. Mm. Because you can't tell what anybody's actually really at because only you know on your bike where your the tension. the tension's at, right? And so everybody look at me and go, oh, Brian's at a 10. Look at him. He's like, this is going really, really fast. And I'm over there going like, I don't know how much longer I can keep going at a one here because I'm actually at an eight or a nine. And so I went on this kind of like two-year journey. You know, I walk in the vitamin store and just like literally go along the shelves and just scrape everything off. And the guy be like, I think you got it you know, probiotics, every vitamin. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and throw a multivitamin on top. He's like, well, no, I think you got every, I'm like, no, throw a multivitamin in, you know, gallon of water, 75 hard, you know, I'm like trying all these things and everything I did, I felt like a little bit better, but not like great. You know, I, mean, I never felt great. And I just couldn't figure out, I'm like, is this just how you feel? And I'm like 37, you know? So I'm just like, but I knew I had been grinding since I was 18. Like, I mean, I went right out of high school, like into the grind, yep. flipping houses on the side, starting things, started a coffee company, was in the church, started refuge, you know, all kinds of things. And so I had an idea, like in the way back of my mind, I had this idea that maybe like I had done something like physiologically, like damaging, you know, somehow like chemically or something. So I started thinking like, if, if your body, mind, and spirit, if we know that we're body, mind, and spirit, uh, you know, we're triune being, then you know, we know that the Bible says, do not be unaware of the schemes of the enemy for he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour and how much more so for someone who's a kingdom leader, right? Like he's after us. But I'm like, I don't really, I'm never going to know like what's happening in like the second or third heaven that's like affecting my life. Like I think if I knew, I'd probably like crap myself, right? Like I'd be like, oh my gosh, like there's yeah. demons like after me all the time, right? And we know like the Bible says like there's something dark spiritually that is against you, but to not be unaware of it. So what am I to do? In that world, I'm supposed to just be aware of it, aware that I am under spiritual attack, aware of how I take thoughts captive, aware of how I pray into that. And I'm going to do all those things, but I'll never fully know 100% black and white what that means. Mentally, body, mind, or you know, spirit, mind. Mentally, like, you know, the Bible says, who can know the mind of a man but God? Like, I'm, I mean, I can't, that, that says, I don't even know my own mind. Like, should I get a therapist? Yes, I love therapists. I go to therapy stuff. Like, I promote therapy. People, I send people to therapy things. Like, but even after a hundred sessions of therapy, like, I still don't really know what's going on in my mind. Right. Like, I mean, I have a, a little better idea, but I don't know. Now, here's the third part: body. I can go to my blood work doctor, my endocrinologist. She can take a hundred. I literally just did this with my daughter like two weeks ago. We went to the lab core in Billings at the hospital, just to like the blood bank place. She drew my my blood. She sent it to my endocrinologist. My endocrinologist called me back and she walked me through like everything inside of me, everything in my body, my vitamin D, my cholesterol, my testosterone, my estrogen. Yeah. You know, I didn't want like man boobs, you know, like, so I was like, you know, I want to make yeah. sure my estrogen is not too high. Uh, you know, she's walking me through all these things and she's like, you're, you're insufficient. You're not sufficient here. You are sufficient here. You're not su like, I want to know physiologically where I'm insufficient. And what I would say is you mistreat what you misdiagnose. You mistreat what you misdiagnose. And so what happens is leaders are misdiagnosing things and then they're therefore mistreating them. So they think they have a spiritual or mental problem, but it's actually manifesting from a physiological place. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So you think like, oh, the enemy's against me. Like I'm under attack or like my mind's you know, jacked up and I'm like mentally I'm, I'm depressed. It's like, no, no, you're not depressed. Your testosterone's at 80. Like yeah. every man with testosterone that's 80 is depressed. Oh, right. Like you can't even get out of bed in the morning. Right. So, so all they're saying, like, I've got a mental problem. I need to go to, to a therapist. I'm like, maybe you do, but let's start at black and white, your blood work, 
Mm-hmm. And if there's no problems there, then boy, we definitely got a mental problem or a spiritual problem. But you might go into your blood work doctor and they go like, oh, actually you have like, like for me, like a major testosterone problem because I burned up all my, my, my testosterone. I think through, you know, Jeff, you know, physiologically through three levels, starting at the top of your head to your neck, down to your gonoidal, you know, testicular level, which is what I would start at the top in your brain, I would call boutique chemicals, which would be like dopamine and serotonin. These are like these very, very light, you know, yeah. boutique sweet little things that are really make your life real nice. You know, real, yeah. you know, real fluffy and great. You feel good. You wake up. You're like, oh, I feel nice. Leaders, that that's gone. Like, I don't know a leader that even those chemicals get burned up because they're so boutique. They actually are the first things to dissipate when you move into the next level, which is around your neck level, which is your adrenal system, your adrenals, your adrenal glands. And your your adrenal glands sit kind of on each side of your neck. And as soon as this, in your in, when you're fighting things, when you're dealing with stress, adrenaline, and trauma. Your 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 boutique chemicals can't handle that anymore. They've now moved. They've 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 been shut down, and now your body has now moved down to your adrenals because you got to kill something, you got to fight something, you got to run away with something, you have to deal with something. Get the energy out. Yeah. So now they're like <laughs> growing, and, and you feel great on adrenaline. Like you know, yeah. leaders like, oh, let's go, like ah. Yeah. Well, you can then now move past them. Now you fried them because the problem is you worked those adrenals over and over. Fight or flight from the moment you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed. And every leader I talk to knows this. You wake up in the morning. What's the first thing you do? Grab your phone. Grab your phone. You reach over to trauma. You reach over to stress. You reach over to adrenaline. You, you reach over to battle. You reach over to fight immediately the first thing in the morning. And what do you do? The last thing at night, what do you do? You check your last couple texts at night, your last couple emails. Oh, man, we're terrible people. The sons of guns. My wife's like, would you put that thing away? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like, I can sleep better if I just know that. Look, and we're demented, bro. Like We are like so messed up that the last thing we have to do before we go to bed at night isn't talk to Jesus, isn't scratch our wives back isn't like be on our knees next to our bed it's like the last thing that makes us feel good to go to bed is like look at work like what is wrong with us right but the problem is not just so many other problems we could talk about with that kind of living but the fact of what it does to us physiologically at an adrenal level well when you when your body then zaps your adrenal glands it then goes to your testosterone yeah which is down in the gonoidal level and a male specifically and women too are, are you know really do need testosterone more than what anyone knows they, they take much lesser amounts but testosterones regulate our hormones and that hormones have to do with sleep hormones have to do with feeling uh you know happiness all those different things so if you feel unhappy all the time it's like well it could be because you're 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 chemically jacked up your your your, your body's so jacked up that you don't feel good and here's the problem i tell people all the time you can do as many spiritual things you can read the bible pray go to a therapist and all those things and still leave all those things and never feel right yeah because physiologically you're still in trouble and all those things play off of each other too mm-hmm. so integrated it, they're all they're all three connected and something we haven't talked about on the podcast ever jeff i'm about to freaking go there though um okay is just the technical community being overweight mm. and it's a problem that we haven't we haven't addressed it and this conversation just kind of made me want to just dive into it obviously i mean i'm super guilty of this myself so i, I i'm shining the flashlight on myself totally but when you're overweight it is an automatic testosterone reducer mm-hmm. so even if you maybe don't have a natural testosterone problem the fact that you're overweight or obese will drop your testosterone level which drops everything else in your system and you feel like you're depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. So it does feel And it'll of put each other. so many other systems in your body under stress. Yeah. Whether it's your joints with your ankles and knees or whether it's your just organs trying to keep up with that extra weight and digestive energy and all the things, not to mention the 
you know, fat and cholesterol and other chemicals that are well, and then and then this goes diet. to a point of where it starts affecting marriages. And again, I talked to all these people who have these marriage problems. Well, one of the big problems because we know everything about all the people we serve is, you know, there's a sexual problem at times in marriages because you know I, I'll talk about for myself. I mean, I remember before I got on testosterone and, and you know, hormone replacement therapy that I started doing. I remember, I mean, I can tell you like the house that we were we were in that that, that night, being in bed, and my wife rolling over in bed and saying, "Do you still think I'm pretty?" I was like, oh, honey, yeah, yes. Why would you say that? I mean, I think you're beautiful. I mean, anyone that was my wife, she's gorgeous, you know? Yeah. And she's like, well, I just feel like, you know, like you're not pursuing me sexually. And in my mind, I'm thinking, it's because I'm so damn tired all the time. Like, yeah. I'd rather go to bed right now than pursue you to have sex. Yeah. All of a sudden, I got on testosterone. I'm like, I'm ready to go all the time, right? <laughs> right. And, and, but it's changed our marriage <laughs> yeah. because, you know why? It's changed our marriage because she deserves to be as a woman in, in our marriage in a godly marriage, she deserves to be pursued sexually by me. And one of the things that's shocking to me, and I tell people this all the time, is the predominant person that I see having affairs and marriages now, and especially in ministry marriages and, and business marriages as well, is the woman. I'd say 70 to 80% of the people I know right now who, are, who have had affairs in their marriages in the last 12 months, it's been the woman having an affair, not the man, which is interesting because I think the woman wants to be pursued by her husband sexually. He's too tired to do it because he's leaving all of his you know, energy, if you will, uh, his drive, if mm -hmm. you will, is all being given to the organization that they're working with. And they get home at night and there's no drive left to give to her, even sexually, let alone emotionally, you know, communication. When my wife says to me almost every week, oh, did you, did you use up all your words for today? Yeah. Like at night, I'm like, oh, don't you dare woman. Uh, because I talk a lot during the day with guests <laughs> and table time and in boats and everything. And she's, I get home and I'm just kind of like staring at the wall. And she's like, how's your day? I was like, good. <laughs> yeah. What happened? You know, good stuff. stuff. And she's like, are you kidding me? She's like, I know you've been out using 10,000 words with all these dudes all day on the yeah. river fishing and talking to them and loving on them and counseling them. And then you get home to me and you have nothing. Right. And I think that could be the case for probably a lot of people listening that, you know, we need that, that, that fourth drive, I call it. It's the fourth part of the day for our families. And if you're testosterone or physiologically, you're in a bad place, it's just not there. There's yeah. no tank to draw into. Like you can try so hard. And then like you talked about, Lee, it's, if, you're, if you're physiologically hormonally messed up or not where you should be, it's almost impossible to lose that weight it's, because yeah. you could eat so well and extra all the time. You're like, man, I'm like killing myself. I'm like restricting calories. I'm working out and I still can't lose this weight. What's going on? Yeah. Well, because your body physiologically can't shed the weight because you don't have the, the burn from the, the testosterone. The yeah. Even physically, even if you're burning the calories, it's just the tummy fat just not coming off the way, the way it should. Uh, it's hard to keep muscle tone the older you get. A man, a man hits his, his testosterone peak at 20, age 25. Yeah. Like that's as high as you're ever going to get. Right. You know, and, um, and I tell people like, hey, man, like go do your own research, talk to your doctor, whatever. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. So if you don't feel like that's something for you, like, great. I, I've personally loved it and it's changed my life. And I have a hundred friends here on it. Yeah. And uh, I just had a friend from Nashville that texted me the other day. He's like, man, three weeks on the vitamin T. He calls it vitamin T. Yeah. <laughs> three weeks in the vitamin T is like changed my life, you know? And um, so- Anyway, I, I love that question, Jeff. I mean, the 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 uh, responsibility that we have as kingdom leaders who are doing things for the gospel and for Christ, and 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 you know, moving people into uh, light instead of darkness, we have a, a high responsibility in our own lives as leaders to shepherd and steward ourselves. And for some reason, we always think that somebody else is going to come in and do it for us. Like somehow, weirdly, in the back of our minds yeah. or our spirits, we think somebody's going to come in and take come along and take care of us. And here's the thing, guys. They're not. No one's coming. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're listening to this, no one is coming to take care of you. Right. 
You have got to do it yourself. You've got to say no to people. You got to say no to too many hours. You got to say no to, to more BS meetings. You need to say no to, to, to more lunches where you're eating garbage. You need to say yes to more workouts. Yes to more grace on your life. Yes to more rest and sleep. Yes to more creative spaces. Yes to more getting away on, on trips with your wife. Like, you know, no one is going to protect you because what, what the very essence or purpose of an organization to do with you is to leverage you and to get everything out of you that they can which is fine. I'm not even mad at the organization for doing that. That's their, that's their job. But their job is not to come in and protect you. Rarely do I talk to a person at any level in ministry or in business that's like, man, the organization I work for is like so awesome and protecting of me. Like They give me lots of vacation. They require me to take the vacation. They get my blood work done for me. They make me eat good. Like They <laughs> pay for a health membership for me. Like They want me getting on special getaways with my wife. Like No one's going to take care of you unless you take care of you. And that is not... I used to think, like, I used to feel bad about that for me because I love to help people and serve people. And I almost felt guilty. And now I'm like, no, no, it's actually the opposite of that. Like, if I want to be great for other people, I have to be great for myself. If I'm going to show up for other people in their lives, if I'm going to show up for Lee in his life, if I'm going to show up for Jeff in his life as a friend, as a brother, if I'm going to show up to Refuge as an organization that I'm called a steward, then I have to show up for myself first. If I don't show up for Brian, like, wow. those guys don't have Jack. Like, how do I show up for myself in this life? How do I show up for Brian as a leader in Brian's life? You know who's responsible to show up for Brian? Brian. And if Lee shows up for Brian, praise God. And if Jeff ends up showing up for Brian, I'm thankful for that. But I can't count on that. You know, and I'm not saying not count on that, like, as a, though I don't trust you guys. I trust you with everything. You guys know that. I mean, I, in, you know, in our world, in our space of friendships and refuge, like, it's, yeah. it's till you die, bro. Like, yeah. it's not a one-time deal. That's the unique thing about refuge is, it's for life. Like we don't go, it's not, you don't go to refuge once. Right. You go to refuge forever. It's yeah. like, it's like the Yellowstone show we're all watching right now. Yeah. You took the brand dog. Like yeah. once you're in, yeah, you don't get out. Like yeah. you, you got the refuge brand, you know? Um, but just an encouragement to everybody listening, like take care of yourself because your wife's going to thank you for it. Eventually in the long run, your organization's going to thank you for it. They're going to be, man, how do you stand out? It's like Daniel, right? In the old Testament, it's like all of a sudden he's like, can I not eat what everybody else is eating? And they're like, how is he stronger, Jeff? Like, how is he more wise? How does he have more favor on his life, but he's not eating the same food at the king's court? You can be at the king's court of your church or your organization around kings and not eat what they eat and actually be better than they are because you chose not to live the way that they lived. Man. <laughs> okay, let's get real practical for a minute. So not everyone that's listening to this can go to refuge next year, but they all need to have you said it earlier, friends and a hobby. Mm -hmm. And I see too many people thinking that playing on PlayStation till 1 a.m. is a hobby. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe it is for some of you, but I, I would say for the majority of you that are doing that, it's actually not, and it's not a healthy hobby. Mm -hmm. How do you encourage people to go find that? Like for me, Refuge changed my life and in a few different ways. I've definitely made some lifelong friends because of spending the time there. Mm -hmm. But what it, re, it reignited me and just wanted to be in the outdoors, it has changed my life. Mm -hmm. it, I'm like, as much as I love audio and tech, I probably equally love being in the outdoors and hunting and fishing now. And I, I dedicate a good portion mm -hmm. of my year to doing stuff like that because I know how it, it gives me energy, it's vacation, it, it's all those things. So like, how do you tell people i mean you have for the last 50 minutes told people how important it is but like you can't just have five days a year where you go out and get everything that's got to be it's got to be along the way the journey the whole time so mm. talk about that yeah well i mean 
I, I tell people all the time, you have to be a good friend to have a good friend. So I think the first place to start is really asking yourself in your own time and space, like, are you a good friend to people? Like, do you pursue people? Do you call people? Like in the studio here this morning, uh, here in Sacramento, like I have a friend that's here in town with me from Dallas. Uh, that's just a refuge friend. I just called him last week. When I travel, I just call people like, hey, you want to go to Dallas? <laughs> or you want to go to Sacramento? Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, meet me there. And he's going everywhere I'm going and hang out with my friends and meet my people. Like if I go somewhere, like I'll just take like four fe- people. Like, I'll just call four people. Like, I don't know what people, just anyone that's on my heart. So, but here, here's the reason why is because I want to be a good friend to people. And it takes work to be a good friend. And people are lazy about friendship and they're very, um, you know, committed to other parts of their lives. And I think you don't understand the gospel or Jesus outside of friendship. And I would say, listen to the, to the last words of a dying man always. Like if you had three days left, Lee, to live, I would listen to, I'd really lean in the next three days to what you had to say, right? Because mm-hmm. you're going to say some important stuff. You know, Jesus says to the disciples after the Passover, he says, he says, I no longer call you slaves. The Greek word is doulos, servants or slaves, it could be translated. He said, but I now call you friends. And he says, now I want you to go out and to treat one another the way I've treated you. Like the essence of knowing me now and you people, you guys seeing me in each other is friendship. So you actually don't know Jesus outside of friendship. Jesus, like you see Jesus when you see friendship. And I think we've way under, under uh, estimated or under, un, under, you know, we didn't, we haven't been able to understand friendship. And so I say the first thing is you've got to, number one, be a good friend to have good friends. The second part that leads to is good friends. Because you're a pursuer of people. You're like, hey, come hang out. Hey, let's talk. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, check in on you. Hey, like, what do you need? Can I do anything for you? Like, I, I mean, I probably have 10 guys a day. That I'm like, hey, man, you need anything? And if they said they need something, I would do it. Like, I love it when people actually like take me up on that. Like, yes, I do need something. Not just prayer, but something practical. And so be a good friend to people to start because that shows you're intentional. You're taking time to do it. Then you'll have good friends. And then the third part is you have to schedule time to do it. You schedule everything else in your life. Like, why would you not schedule? Like, I schedule the important things. Like, I schedule, like, you know, my wife's birthday, right? Like, I've got to, you know, like, I know when it is, but yeah. I want to, like, the month before, like, she just had her 40th. So all month I was doing stuff for her because I was thinking about her 40th six months ago because I was like, I need to start thinking about her 40th now so we could have, like, a killer month of, like, great, really cool stuff for her, right? Yeah. It's like, it's the same thing. Like, the reason I started this in 2004 was I thought about my friends. I created an experience for us to go have in Montana. I paid for the trip with my youth pastor's savings account, $2,500. We drained my wife and I to nothing. We had no savings afterwards because we paid for our friends to go on a fishing trip that now God has honored all these years later, right? Because I was intentional about saying, I want to create an experience for us together. And for us, and I still believe this, and you, you believe this. I know Jeff believes this. There's something still beautiful about creation. And a lot of people be like, well, I don't want to go to refuge because I'm not really a big fishing guy. I don't like outdoors and stuff. I'm like, no one that comes to refuge comes because of their fishermen. Like, Do you know how many people I took to refuge that told me that? Oh, like, yeah. The community that we're in is mostly nerdy introverts and technical yeah. people. There's not many outdoorsmen sitting behind a no console. No one that comes right? to refuge is like a big outdoorsman. But then they get in creation, and God does what he does in creation. What does he do in creation? He creates. Right. He breathes life. He speaks. And all of a sudden, all your problems that you think seem so big become very small under the sky of a billion stars. Not a song about a billion stars. It's a sky where you literally look up in Montana and the, and the Milky Way's on top of you. Freaking preach. It seems like the Milky Way is going to come down on your face. And then you look out over a bluff and you see eagles and you see land that goes for a thousand miles. And you go like, actually, I'm not that big, but the God that created all this actually is again. And there's something sustainable and life-giving and hold, that holds us 
when we start to see God in the context of his vastness, and it's very tough to see his vastness, even in the coolness of the, 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 the technological things we have today. It's just tough to see God in that, you know, compared to what he did in creation, you know? And so I think, I think, you know, and I think the cool thing for people that are in the creative space, like you guys are, is you actually create better out of rest. You create better things out of a bigger thing. So the bigger thing is creation. The bigger thing is God. And all of a sudden, when you get in that, like we have a lot of artists that come to us, like, you know, songwriters and musicians, and they all come out there and write these like banger songs because all of a sudden when they're inspired by the creation and the creator, all of a sudden they start creating great things. So I think if you're a creative, the best thing you can do is whether you're outdoorsy, quote unquote, or not, just find yourself in an outdoor space where you can be reminded of the goodness of God that, hey, it's going to be hard to, to commit to, to being disciplined to take rest if you don't have faith. Because the reason we don't take rest is because it's actually a faith issue. It's not a rest issue. It's not a timing issue. It's not a schedule issue. It's we don't trust God that if we actually Sabbath, that, we, that, that he'll take care of us in the midst of the Sabbath. To me, Sabbath is about weightlessness. It's a moment in time. It's a day or a week or whatever we take where we actually live weightless. We bear no weight in that day. We don't think about things. We don't plan things. We don't create things. We do nothing. And so I think, you know, for these, for, for everyone that's listening, it's like, find some friends, you know, be a good friend, have some friends, and then schedule space away into, you know, Jesus often went through where? To lonely places and prayed, right? Mm-hmm. How can you expect to do the things that Jesus did and not do the things that he did? Like, oh, you think you're going to do the things he did, but you're not going to do any of the stuff that he did? Yeah. Well, if you're going to do the things that he did, then you have to do the things that he actually practiced, like escaping to lonely places to pray. You know, finding himself on the Mount of of Transfiguration, what? With a couple of other friends that were up there with him. Like, how did they get up there? Why were they up there? Like, you know, they just like wandered off. Like, sometimes when you wander off with a couple of buddies, you find yourself in a transfigurative place. That's true. And so I would just encourage guys like, and none of that, put it on the calendar. You schedule what you care about. You schedule what you value. If you don't schedule it, then guess what? You don't value it. I schedule date night with my wife. Why? Because if I don't, there's a hundred other things they'll creep in. Yeah. People like tell me all the time, oh, I want to come to refuge. I'm like, schedule it. That's all I text them back. I don't say like, oh, that'd be fun, buddy. We, we, we should do that. I just say, schedule it. Until you schedule it with me, we're not doing it. Yeah. When you say it's on my schedule, I'm like, we're doing it. Like it's going to happen now, right? So practically schedule something. And the great thing about when people come out with us is it takes all the guesswork out of it. We pick you up. We take care of you. We serve you. We cook right. for you. We feed you. And we drop you off. But even if you can't get that experience, find a few friends and just go somewhere, man. Go to, you know, go, go to a national park, go, you know, right. do something, do something you like rent some ATVs or some, you know, uh, an RV and travel around, whatever. I mean, just find something cool and schedule it with your buddies. And I'm telling you what, we're going to get to the end of our lives and look back on it. And we're going to go like, man, I, I had some really good friends and had some really life-giving opportunities, or we'll get to the end of our lives and look back and be like, we just worked a crap ton of time and, and worked our whole lives. And then we got to the end of our lives and the sweet stuff was never there. The sweet stuff of life lives in relationship. The sweet stuff of life lives in rest. The sweet stuff of life lives in joy, like true joy. Like I'm just a happy, joyful person. And so many people I meet in ministry are not happy nor joyful. I'm like, why are you still doing this? Like you're actually now a deterrent for the kingdom. Like people actually don't want to know Jesus now because we're so unhappy and so unjoyful. Like, you know, we need to find ourselves in spaces where we can be restored and renewed. And, and we need that because everyone in ministry is just pouring out, man. We're all pouring out so heavy. And there's so much trauma and COVID and Black Lives Matter and all the things that the church has faced these last two years. You know, we need to show ourselves a lot of grace in these days right now, which is give yourself a break. Like let yourself sleep in some days, you know, go home from the office at one and 
You know, I tell people all the time, go to a matinee on Tuesday. Why? I'm like, because you don't go to matinees on Tuesday. Like, break that cycle. Yeah. Break the spirit. Like, do things intentionally. Like, break the spirit that you've gotten yourself into of workaholism. And one of the reasons we want to work so much is because we're afraid to really look, take a hard look at our own lives. So if we can just stay busy. I don't have to actually look at who I really am and who I've become. And I just stay in performance mode. And the enemy loves that. You know, I had a guy one time look at me across the table at lunch. I was discipling him. And it's as if the Holy Spirit took over and, and he looked at me and said, I was telling him all the good things that were happening in my life and ministry. And he looks at me and goes, well, I guess if the enemy can't slow you down, he speeds you up. Oh my gosh. And he looked down and just went wow. back to eating. He, went, he looked down and he went back to eating and I almost fell out of my chair. He didn't even know what he said. I, I kid you not. It was one of the only moments in my life. This dude was doing like heroin and like crack and he was living in my basement. And he was not like a, yeah. a spiritually mature guy that knew, knew what he was doing. He just looked at me, and I thought he was going to be like, oh, man, good for you. Like, you're killing it. Sounds like a ministry stuff. And he just looked at me. Well, I guess if the enemy can't slow you down, and he paused. He goes, he speeds you up. And he just looked back down at his smashed potato or whatever. He went back to eating. And I'm telling you, you could have blown me over with a feather. And I think sometimes that's what the enemy's trying to do with us, Lee, is he's trying to speed us up. Because if he speeds us up, then we can't hear the voice of God. We can't follow the ways of God. And we can't be at peace in a life in the kingdom that's not a life at peace it's not a life. It's not a life under the banner of the Spirit of God. We should be ones who are peacemakers and who walk in peace, and you can't walk in peace when you have trauma all the time. <laughs> well, Lee, I feel like we haven't said much during this interview, but it was because Thankfully, we didn't need to. No. Man, I, I could just listen to these bombs being dropped all day long. It's amazing. Golly. I'm so convicted. I mean, I'm this is this interview has been as much for me as it is about any of our listeners. And I know by experience so much of this to be true. And yet I need to be reminded, you know, what's worth remembering is worth repeating. And I feel like I'm uh so much of this I need to continue to apply and reapply to my life because it's so easy to get sideways on a lot of this stuff. Brian, I feel like we're going to have to do this about six more times because, <laughs> nah, and I'm kind of serious because, you know, one, we sent an email out a couple of weeks ago um, asking the MXU community, what's the hardest thing they're going through right now? And none of it was technical. It, of none of it was, I can't. And, and it wasn't even like, my church doesn't value upgrades or I need new cameras. It, it was none of that. Mm -hmm. It was, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I feel like, and we've talked about this internally, is the next season for us is giving people more practical resources to, to help that. So I'm serious. We may have you on four or five more times over the next year. And maybe you can play a little bit of a, tour guide and pastor for us in this well i'm always happy to serve you guys you guys know wherever you're at i'm at and i um, just love walking with you guys through life and you know again that's the the sweet part of life it's not what we do when we get to the end of our lives it's not going to be anything that we did no you know practical thing that we take with us or that we look back on is it's going to be the friendships that we were like walking in the lives and i was at a breakfast this morning over in el dorado hills and the elderly community walked in together to have breakfast. It was probably like 10 white hair, you know, yeah. seven year old people. And I said to my buddy, I said, that's going to be us pretty soon. And I'm, I'm only 41 and he's maybe like 43, <laughs> but it's like, that's coming soon, you know? And, and, 
And we're not going to look back on these days and be like, oh, we did all this stuff. We're going to be like, who do we take with us? How do we like care for one another? How do we just enjoy life? And, and again, I think we're more productive when we're enjoying our lives. We don't become more productive because we just grind harder. And um, so anyway, happy to serve you guys and in, in, in this community. So thankful for everybody that's listening. I just want to say um, really genuinely from, from my heart, like, thanks for what you do. And I don't think enough people are really thanked by the people that, that they serve, by their senior leadership even sometimes, by the people that are around them, their volunteers. But I want to say thank you. Like, you're seen and, and you're appreciated. And, you know, if you're driving in your car right now or you're listening at the office, like, just hear me say, like, from the Lord and, and, and from these guys here who are amazing leaders and, and, you know, thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your sacrifice. Um, thanks for your, your marriage, just what, you know, what you've given up. I mean, I, we, people have no idea. I, had a, I got a call from a friend last night here in Sacramento that was at church coming home at 1045 last night from a run through for their Christmas services. 1040, I'm like, 1045 at night? On a Tuesday night, you're just getting down with a run through like, and all the team was there. You know, the sound guys were there. You know, the lighting guys were there. The camera guys were there. 1045 at night on a Tuesday night. Like, you give up so much uh, for your families and, 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 and you've done so much uh, for the kingdom. So thank you uh, for what you're doing. And I pray that you're blessed in this next season. Okay, so... You didn't ask me to do this, so I'm just going to do it. Um, if somebody's out there listening to this, maybe they're a business leader and what you guys are doing at Refuge spoke to them and they want to be a part of what you guys are doing, how can they do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we, we say we're felt not seen, so it's not it's hard to find out anything about us yeah. or what we do, but, uh, you know, our website's trash, our social media's trash. Yeah. And everybody's like, man, you guys know like the smartest website people on the planet. Why is all your stuff trash? I'm like, because... We just like to be like unknown, you know, but our, our website, refugefoundation.org, um, you know, you can find out, you know, some, some brief details about us, contact us if you need to. Uh, I mean, anyone's, I'm happy to have anybody email me. I give you my, my direct email, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at refugefoundation.org. If you're struggling, if you need to talk to somebody, uh, you know, no one's got more people's secrets stored up than we do. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's like a vault, you know, but sometimes people just go like, hey, I just need to talk to somebody, I need to talk to somebody about my boss or, you know, our church or a, a struggle that I'm having. And, um, we're like, you know, we're like a Catholic priest that just like, you know, in confessional, it's like, it, yeah. it just stays locked up and no one's going to know about that. So, you know, feel free to email me if you need anything and, um, and happy to serve however we can. It's awesome. And I would also say, you know, Lee, you mentioned a business leader who might be listening. If you are one or no one who happens to be looking for another resource for some year end giving, I can't think of a better place to give resources to than to the Refuge Foundation. So if you find yourself in that situation, you know, I just, I don't know, for some reason I felt compelled to say that. So, you know, bless Brian and his team, because as you can hear, they're doing incredible work and we want to encourage as much support for them as we possibly can. Well, thanks. That's really kind guys. And I and, uh, sure love serving with you. All right. Till next time, we'll do this again. Thanks, Brian. You bet. Love you, boys.